0: Hey, have you had the chance to check out CL Whiteside's The Non-Microwave Truth? I know I've told you about it before, but if you haven't checked it out yet, now is the time. He's got this genuine faith that encourages me every time I listen to him to check out The Non-Microwave Truth anywhere you listen to podcasts. This is for you if you have had the worst year of your life. Or if you've done something really silly lately, or if you think you've done something that God could never forgive and you don't see a way out, or if you think there is no way I can be used in God's kingdom at all because of A, B, C, D, or E. Okay, stay tuned. Okay, we're gonna, I will give you absolute evidence that that's false. Hey guys, it's Amber. Wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. So exhibit A is the Apostle Paul, who was formerly known as Saul from Tarsus. When Jesus appeared to him, he was on his way to Damascus to kill some Christians. He was going to round them up. He was going to put them in prison. He was going to persecute them. And maybe even if it was a good day, kill some. Okay. God knocked him on the ground and struck him blind. And he spent three days afterwards not eating not drinking, and in total darkness because he couldn't see. What, has, what had his life been up until that point? Well, as I already said, he was a persecutor of Christians. But in Philippians 3, we find out he was the Pharisee of Pharisee. He, he kept the law very well. He was a very moralistic, legalistic person who went about thinking he was doing the right thing. And in Philippians 3, he says, well, you know, now... I know that all of that was garbage and all of it's a loss, but I didn't know that then he acted out of ignorance. So what happened? Well, he could have decided that his life was completely and totally over because he had definitely joined the wrong team. And now he realized what he thought was right was not right, but uh, that it wasn't what happened. God asked Ananias, to go see Paul, who was known at that time as Saul. And Ananias went to him, and we find out when God spoke to Ananias that Paul, at the time Saul, had been praying. So when he was in the depths, his go-to was prayer. And God said to Ananias, go to him, help him, encourage him, because this man— Is my chosen instrument. He's going to suffer, but he's my chosen instrument. So far from being thrown away, God used that wake up call as a guess what? You're working for me now, not against me anymore. This is where your path takes a drastic, drastic turn. What about Peter? Peter followed Jesus for three years. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He got to see things like Jairus' daughter being raised. He saw the transfiguration. He was able to go a little bit further in the um, Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was crying out to God, his, his heavenly father, and saying, if there's another way, take this cup from me. Peter was there. He was like one of Jesus' right-hand men, and yet, when it came down to it, even after he had just said to Jesus, I will die with you. Don't you worry. They come after you. I will be there defending you, and he did swing a sword, so he sort of got up the courage, but then when Jesus was taken into custody, all it took was a servant girl, and Peter just lost it all. All his composure was gone, Gave it up, said, No man, I don't know this guy. And then he started cursing, and he swore an oath that he hadn't been with Jesus. He wept bitterly because he knew he had botched it up bad. This was his dear, dear friend. How could he, when Jesus was at his lowest, how could he say he didn't even know him? This was a man that he had left everything for to follow. And yet, there it was. And he must have thought, you know, this is all, that it's done. I've totally wrecked any chance of being anything for God. I'm completely and totally a throwaway. That's not how God saw it. In fact, when Jesus rose from the dead, he went and saw Peter first. Before he appeared to other people, we know that he reinstated Peter made sure that he knew that he was one of the people who would be instrumental in taking the message of Christ to the nations. Peter mostly stayed in Jerusalem, but he, was, he did go to see Cornelius, and God used him there too. But the bottom line is, Peter could have thought his life was over, but that's not how it was. Jesus went to him. Jesus encouraged him. Jesus reinstated him. Jesus wanted him to know, your life's not over. You might think it's over. We're just getting started. The prodigal son. This was a parable taught by Jesus. And it shows the heart of God for those who throw their life away. He wasted his life. He got all this money. He spent it on partying and prostitutes until it was gone. Now, he came back home. And he was thinking that he was just going to be a servant. He wasn't going to be anything special. And in fact, that's what his brother wanted for him. His brother certainly thought that he was a throwaway. You come crawling back here and we will push you down in the dirt. You are no longer a son. You can live with the servants. That's what the brother would have said. No problem. You want something to eat? You're going to work for it. That's not the reaction of the father. The father was watching and waiting, and even from a distance, he saw the son coming and came running out to meet him. He didn't see him as a throwaway. He rejoiced. He threw a party. There was singing and dancing. And that, Jesus said, is how your father in heaven responds when you leave your life of sin." And you turn back to God. Look at the Samaritan woman at the well. She had had five husbands and was living with another man. Now, even by today's standards, five husbands is pretty crazy. That's kind of up there. She probably was not the most respected woman in the town. The Samaritans had mangled religion. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible and they mixed it with idolatry and they were crazy in the Jews' eyes. And who did Jesus go to? A Samaritan woman who definitely had not lived according to God's plan. And he revealed himself. Jesus revealed himself as Messiah. Most of the Jews didn't know he was the Messiah yet. He had just gotten started in his ministry. And who was one of the first people that he told that he was the Messiah? This woman who had lived this crazy life and was in this section of the land that they couldn't get this religion thing straight. And she began her work of evangelism, bringing the town to Jesus. And Jesus stayed there for two days. Who did Jesus use? Yeah, a lot of people would say that woman, no. (laughs) She's the last person God would choose to use. She threw her life away. Nope. Nope. Jesus came to her and he revealed himself to her and he stayed in her town. Mary Magdalene, we know that she had demons. She was demon possessed and that Jesus healed her. And afterwards, she followed Jesus. Now, you would think being demon-possessed would sort of eliminate you from following Jesus. Nope, wasn't a problem. How about the woman who poured perfume on Jesus' feet? Remember, Jesus was at a Pharisee's house. I think his name was Simon. And Simon was just having a fit because this woman was there and she was pouring perfume on Jesus' feet. And He was thinking, you know, how could Jesus allow this woman to touch his feet? Ew, gross. You know what Jesus said? Simon, who do you think would appreciate it more? The person who owed a great deal and that debt was forgiven or the person who owed only a little? Simon answered correctly and said, well, I suppose the person who owed much. And Jesus said, this woman has sinned much, but she is forgiven much. Not throwaway. Forgiven. In fact, all throughout the Bible, we see how God uses what the world would probably consider to be a throwaway. I mean, you can just go through the Old Testament. Moses, he had murdered someone. He had been a pompous, probably slightly arrogant, growing up in the palace. Um, Hebrew turned Egyptian who killed a slave master and ran away. I mean, he's a murderer. How could God use someone like that? David? David was small. Why would God use anybody like that? Gideon? He was the least from the smallest clan. He was hiding in a wine press. I mean, how could God use that? So many people that God used all throughout the Bible. We, by our standards, might look at them and say, throw away. Jacob, who had tricked his brother, And his father had to run away, had to flee, got tricked into marrying two women. That's who God used to produce the 12 tribes of Israel. That? I don't think so. You mean to tell me that the Savior's going to come from the prostitute Rahab? What? Or Ruth, who wasn't even from Israel? It's all throwaway. God used so many throwaway people because God doesn't see people as throwaways. He never sees people as throwaways. In Isaiah 43, verse 1, we read, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do you know what that word redeem means? it means to buy back. So I don't know what you've done. I have no idea what's in your past. I have no idea what comes to mind when you close your eyes and you see the word shame. I think we can all conjure up some things that we've done in our past that we wish we wouldn't, but you know what? This much I know. Uh, Jesus buys you back. And I do know this too. One of Satan's really good tricks is to try to convince us that Jesus' blood paid for everything except what you did. Oh, yeah, that person's forgiven. And his sacrifice covered that person. And you know, that person over there, I'm sure if you talk to her, and she told you her deepest, darkest secret, you would say, Oh, um, I don't know why you're bothered by that, because that's not all that bad. But what you're carrying, oh, that's really, 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 really bad. And that's a lie. And when I realized that all that is is a lie that takes away from Jesus and his sacrifice, I said, no more, Satan. No way. Jesus' sacrifice was good. It's finished. It's complete. There's not one sin I could ever commit that wasn't paid for. that sacrifice no one so push away the shame push away the guilt because Jesus never intended that you carry that he carried the cross and he said at the end of his suffering it is finished paid in full because he had done everything that we couldn't do he had lived the perfect perfect life I couldn't do that. I can't even get through a day without sinning. I can't even get through a couple of hours without sinning. I'm not entirely sure I've gotten through an hour, but I probably did because I was asleep. Um, So, I, can, I mean, I can't live the perfect life. I fall short all the time. Jesus did. And because he did, his sacrifice was acceptable. He paid what we couldn't. Therefore, done. Redeemed. Bought back. No throwaway. There's no garbage when Jesus is looking at you. None. I don't care what you've done. None. No garbage. Billy Graham said, the cross shows us the seriousness of our sin. And that is so good to know. But he continued, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. Yeah, our sin was bad. Our sin continues to be bad. And Jesus took every bit of it, every single one, every thought, every word, every action, every single time you did it over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again, every single one, he took it, he bore it, he bled for it, and it is done. It is finished. And that's why, did you notice how when people met Jesus, They went away changed. And it wasn't because they suddenly figured out that the path that they had been on wasn't all that great. Oh, the path that they had been on wasn't all that great. But it wasn't them conjuring up the strength to turn and get it all together. They met Jesus and they witnessed and they experienced grace and that's what changed them. Think of the woman who was caught in adultery, and the Pharisees drug her before Jesus. Now, I have thought about this account a lot, because we know that Jesus was in the temple courts and he was preaching, so there were people there. And they decided to bring this woman, not the man, just the woman, and they had evidence that she was caught in the act of adultery, so, you know, nothing Nothing shameful in that being brought before a crowd of people saying, hey, by the way, we caught this woman. Can you even imagine? The videos that are out there do a wonderful job of showing the woman, you know, being thrown in front of Jesus. And she sort of falls at Jesus' feet as if she was thrown there like a pile of garbage. See this garbage? Did you hear what she had done? And Jesus beautifully gets down on the ground and he starts writing something and we're not privy to what he was writing. I have no idea. But what I do know is when they pressed him, he very calmly said, well, whoever is without sin Let him be the first one to throw a stone. And slowly they all walked away. And Jesus said to her, Who is left to condemn you? And she said, No one, sir. And I can only imagine the relief that she felt when she heard that and when she saw that they were all gone because they were picking up stones to stone her. And he said, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Redeemed. Bought back. Not garbage. Loved. There's nothing, the Apostle Paul says. And the Apostle Paul knows. He knows because he's been there. And he went on to write there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. Who is left to condemn you? If God is for you, who can be against you? If you've got Jesus saying you're mine, I've redeemed you. I paid for you. Don't you dare think you are garbage. Don't you dare think you have thrown away your life. I paid for that life. It is so valuable because I shed my blood for you. That's it, guys. That's it. The Bible full of example after example after example to make sure that we understand. The world will condemn you. Sometimes even the church will condemn you. They will drag you just like that woman in front of people and they will throw you down and look at what she did. Just know that's not of Christ. That's not his way. There's a place for confronting people who have sinned. And Jesus told us how to do it. Go. You go. You one-on-one go to them. And if they don't listen, then you take a friend or you take someone from the church or you take the pastor and you confront them. And if that doesn't work, then there's times that you need to go to the elders. But never does Jesus say, go drag that person's name through the mud and make sure everybody knows that they are garbage. Nope. Nope. There are times that we separate because sin needs to be confronted. And there are times that we haven't figured out that what we're doing is sin yet. Fair enough. But when, like the prodigal, we realize the error of our ways and we come back, there's always forgiveness and there's always grace. And Jesus is always there saying, oh, I've been waiting for you and I am so glad you are here and you have so much life left to live because this is the thing. Even if you turn on your deathbed, like that thief on the cross, you've got eternity ahead of you. I can't imagine anything better than knowing you didn't throw it all away. Yeah, you threw away your chance to make a difference for Christ in this lifetime, maybe. But when you turn to Jesus even on your deathbed, you haven't thrown eternity away. There's not one person that I could talk to today that would ever, in God's eyes, be referred to as a piece of garbage. Everyone you meet is someone that Jesus died for. And we would all do well to remember that and to treat people the way that Jesus treated all of us. we're all sinners. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom the little things are the big things. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute to thank every single one of you who has taken the time to pray for the important work we're doing or made a donation or took the time to encourage any one of us at Time of Grace. I want you to know we appreciate you and we're thrilled to partner with you to bring the hope of the gospel to the world.